alone and not alone. Loneliness or solitude. By virtue of being alive, we are alone. We live our lives within the containers of our skin and perpetually travel unaccompanied around the boundaries of our own minds. Sometimes our separateness can become quite simply overwhelming with a potentially consuming desperation, an unfathomable longing that can envelop your spirit like a smothering, strangling mantle. But this loneliness is no stranger to any of us. If we find a moment through love in which the border between individuals seems to vanish, no matter how we might want to sustain the feeling, it rushes away and is instantly replaced with the awareness again of separation. We are alone. Though we may find community in which for a time we feel recognized for ourselves, relishing the mirrors in which we find a clear reflection, relationships are dynamic, and this cannot remain so. We are alone. Whether we first realize it on the heels of loss or just beyond the crest of some magnificent vista or when we come to consider our own death, we all come to face this cold reality. We are alone. The notion is perhaps more disturbing than just about any other thing that we can entertain. And for this reason, a great deal of human energy goes in to trying to keep from dealing with it. We cram our lives full of activity, with sound, with people and things, trying either to stay busy or to find a place that we belong We do this because at some deeper level we are too lonely to bear the real silence for more than brief periods and too lonely to tolerate the vacuum into which we keep dumping things and stacking things. The world and society and even the old Protestant work ethic all conspire to keep us away from the very exercise in which abides the capacity for greatness, contentment, and for actually saving ourselves and our most deep, from our most deeply rooted fears. Some of you may be thinking, boy, what I wouldn't give to have a little time to myself, some quiet time. I understand and can appreciate that life and its responsibilities contribute all sorts of circumstances that help fill our plates. 
But I'm suggesting that even in those moments, hard to come by and rare as they are, when they do show up, we fill them. We fill them with books and movies and food and radio and sports and shopping and naps and phone calls, internet, hobbies, gardening, something. Even if it's relaxing, we fill the moments rather than simply being still and alone with ourselves. And though we might prefer to shrug this off as plain old boredom, it is, in fact, an existential anxiety. Rainer Maria Rilke wrote, Who has not sat afraid before his own heart's curtain? Being alone is difficult. Being alone well is a learned skill, an art developed only through mindful practice, and lots of it. The more crowded our lives and the more crowded the world becomes, the more critical is the need for us to learn this art. And once we learn the art of solitude, we can generate that sense any place we are. The more lonely we feel, the more time we need to spend alone with the silence. But we need to make a clarification of a couple of things here. For our purposes today, I'm differentiating between time spent by yourself doing things, doing things that you enjoy and time spent with yourself not doing. You know, a human being rather than a human doing. The other distinction that I need to make is in the essence of the nature of that alone experience. Um, Paul Tillich, who's a German Ameri- who was a German-American theologian and exist- Christian existentialist philosopher, r- wrote, Our language has wisely sensed two sides of being alone. It's created the word loneliness, to express the pain of being alone and has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. Though we must all first experience loneliness, we have the option of forging it into something far greater, Something that is necessary to character development, to genuine contentment, and necessary for spiritual maturity. We do this through a committed effort to confront the discomfort and to listen until after our thoughts have become quiet. 
here we meet ourselves and begin to discover what we must address, what work we have to do to honor the truth that is ours that we cannot run from, to have integrity with ourselves. It's not simple. And it's here that we go and ask the questions of truth. Ask the question of justice. Here awaits the still small voice. Solitude is part of all the great stories, those that we repeat and those that we use to guide ourselves. Today is Palm Sunday, the occasion in which Christians all over the world commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. Triumphal because of the reputation he had established with great things he had done and taught, but before Palm Sunday, he had give, and before Palm Sunday, he had given the Sermon on the Mount, where he taught the lessons of the Beatitudes: "Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers." Where he taught the lessons of turn the other cheek, judge not, and do unto others. But before he gave the Sermon on the Mount and before his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus went off and spent a great deal of time alone in solitude, in prayer. And that's where he got the inspiration for those messages that made it possible for him to have this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he gained the courage to face his pending crucifixion. Before Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, came to realize the four noble truths and the eightfold path, he sat silently, alone, for a very long time under the Bodhi tree in meditation. The archetype for the hero's journey as played out in all the great myths involves first loneliness and separation and gradually with the understanding gained through initiation, solitude as well. For Ralph Waldo Emerson, it was when he found himself alone after the death of his wife that he began to question beliefs and practices that were at that time a part of Unitarianism, in which he was a minister. And it was that, that loneliness that pushed him out of the church and towards the things that caused him to reach understandings about transcendentalism. The German poet and philosopher Goethe wrote, One can be instructed in society, but one is inspired in solitude. 
The Trappist monk Thomas Merton wrote, It is in deep solitude that I find the gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers. The more solitary I am, the more affection I have for them. Solitude and silence teach me to love my brothers for what they are, not for what they say. Native American Chief Wabasha said every man should have his own holy place where he keeps lonely vigil, hearkens for the voices, and offers prayer and praise. Austrian-Israeli-Jewish philosopher Martin Buber said solitude is the place of purification. In our church, we speak of the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We believe this to be true because we acknowledge the divine spark that is a part of every soul and spirit. We speak of the interdependent web of all life, that which animates us, that from which we have inherited existence is one. Do we still believe these things? What do we truly believe? Look hard and look deep. You cannot hide from the truth that is your own. And when our thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and actions come to line up, we will know for ourselves that peace which we profess to want to bring into the world. And at that point, we actually have a chance to create some of it. But we will accomplish only what we believe we can. Are we still willing to do the work that might bring us into harmony with the sacred? For many at this place, the journey began with a question or the inability to accept any longer teachings that sounded disharmoniously in our own minds and spirits. Each of us here reached a point in our lives at which we made a decision and we turned onto a path that led away from the masses and landed us here at All Souls. Though for most of us it has made the journey more colorful and more interesting, it has also made this long, strange trip a bit lonelier. We believed something strongly enough to get us this far. We had the courage to ask the hard questions and make unpopular stands and often to do the difficult work of standing alone. Do we come this far and no further, like the Job quote that they use in the Da Vinci Code, or do we press on? If we would be genuine leaders, we must first face our own fears. 
alone and not alone. First, the loneliness of our separateness, then the expansiveness of solitude. Let us not forget that we are the ones who dared to question. We are the ones who dare to dream and work for a more compassionate and inclusive world. If for some improbable chance, by some improbable chance, you decided to throw in your lot in with the Unitarian Universalist because you thought it was easier than trying to get rid of bad habits or some favorite guilty pleasures that may not meet with approval elsewhere. Sorry about that. The French poet La Fontaine wrote, A person often meets his destiny on the road he took to avoid it. (laughs) As is always true, the real work begins with ourselves. And the real reward is our own. We speak of responsibility, maturity, and co-creating our worlds. But do we still believe these things? Do we have the courage to continue believing, though we have divested ourselves of traditional terminology? We are only more when we believe we are more. We are only in communion, connection, solitude rather than isolation, when we have the capacity to listen more deeply, to be alone, to reach into the vast, immeasurable, ineffable mystery. It is in solitude that we find we are least alone. 